Hey everybody, so here we are. We're ready to get back into it. So thank you for coming if this is your first time and all the rest of you, if this is your repeat visit, again, we thank you just for coming in and doing Bible study together with us. So you just grab all your tools, you know, kick up your shoes, do what you do, um, and just come on in and let's have a good time of studying God's word together. So before we get started, let's just stop for a minute and just ask ourselves. Sometimes you got to do like a quick self check in and just, you know, you and God, how are you doing? You know, some of you out there, you like to journal and different things like that. So this is just your opportunity. Just tell God, how are you doing? Lay it all out there before him at his throne. He is well able to take care of it all. So just go ahead, even if you need to pause this video and just do a quick self check-in, you know, just to locate where you are and maybe even ask the father to put some things before him um, as you are doing your Bible study. And I'm believing along with you that he will answer this prayer or your specific prayer right there during this time. And so we always like to start out with, you know, what's our why? You know, it's very important to understand. Otherwise things will become routine and, you know, just mundane um, when we don't think about why do I do this? You know, we're told, okay, read your Bible, read your Bible read your Bible, but what's the greater reason for why we do it? You know, is it just something we check off on our list or what? So it's always good to just start off reminding ourselves of, you know, why do I do this? You know, what am I getting from this? Am I really feeling a connection with the Father? So I encourage you to pause the video and just meditate on this scripture um, written by Paul to Timothy to just give yourself a good reminder of why it is important to read our word. I mean, just look at those phrases, be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And that, you know, he's reminding us that it's not just for, you know, physical training is great, but we read the word for spiritual training and that those things are important and that we know that we're focusing in on the life to come, not just this present life. So that's why we read God's word. And then if you just pause the video here and just read through it slowly and you recognize and, and, and can see here from the scripture that we labor and that we strive and that we fix our confident hope on the living but let's go ahead right now first and pray together. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We are reminded from Paul that we are to fix our confidence on you, God. And so we just lift up a word right now, a petition, and ask you to come on in the room, and fill this room, and let your presence be known by us all, God. We know that your spirit is dwelling on the inside of us, but you also said that the Holy Spirit will teach us. And so we humbly submit ourselves to the teaching of the Holy Spirit through the power of your word. We just ask, Father, that everyone under the sound of my vo voice, God, you have a unique 
word for them. So I'm asking you right now to speak to all of our hearts, God. Those under the sound of my voice who just need some comforting and some reassurance and have had some difficulties and challenges in their lives, God. Let your word go before them and be sown to all of us as instruction. God, where we can make the correction that we need to make knowing that it is your word that has the final authority. God, we're asking that it be a revealed word, not merely a word that we just study, but a word that speaks to us and speaks to our situation, God. We are lifting this up for you said, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so again, God, we invite you in we settle down, we bind distractions that would hinder us from hearing the truth of your word and receiving your instructions for life and for godly living. These things we pray in Christ's name, amen. So now we're gonna come upon a process that I have explained. You'd have to see my previous videos about it, um, but it's called Survey Question Read Recite Review. And we're gonna be doing this based on Colossians 3, and I'll be using the Net Bible. Um, and the first step is just a survey. You know, we just go through the scriptures. Sometimes we'll use like an outline just so we will know, okay, what is this section all about? And again, you can pause the video and take a look at this. You can also go on to Liberty. Um, dot, I think it's Liberty.edu or type in in Google Liberty um, Bible outline and you should be able to come to that same outline that you see before you now. And so you can pause the video, jot this down, copy it down. I don't want to bore you. Um, well, not bore you, but you know, you can read through it on your own at your own pace. And this will allow you to survey the scripture or the chapter before you hear it and before we process through it, you know? So, you know, for instance, if you look, you see that verse chapter three, verses five through nine, all of that is broken down. And then it's just line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's called surveying um, the scriptures. Again, you can go on to Liberty uh, University, Google Liberty University, and then um, outline Bible or Bible outline, and it shall take you to where you need to go. Um, so we have survey question, read, recite, review. So we're looking at the survey portion of it, where it's just based on the outline. And now we're going to just put um, some questions before us, you know, um, when I'm reading, before I even read the Bible, I can just look at those subtitles and say, okay, what does he mean by godly living? Um, what does he mean by put off the old man? So I'm going to help you out with a few questions just to get you started. So what is the overall theme of the chapter? What verses spoke to you? Is there something specific the Holy Spirit is prompting you to change? Which instructions from Paul do you need to prioritize? You know, review some verses 18 through 25 and look at the verses concerning the Christian home. What areas are you asking the Holy Spirit to help you change? 
So we're almost ready. Let's just take a listen first and then after that we can jump right in. We will be reading Colossians 3 in the New English Translation, The New Life in Christ. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. Put off the old behavior. So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. You also lived your lives in this way at one time, when you used to live among them. But now, put off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his practices and have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Love one another. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. Let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart, for you were in fact called as one body to this peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all with grace in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Rules for Christian Households Wives, submit to your husbands as a fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, so they will not become disheartened. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in every respect, not only when they are watching like those who are strictly people-pleasers, but with a sincere heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you are doing, work at it with enthusiasm, as to the Lord and not for people. Because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. Serve the Lord Christ. For the one who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. 
and there are no exceptions. Okay, here we go. So we're going to look at that first subtitle, Exhortations to Seek the Things Above. And again, you will see a lot of my highlights. In addition, go ahead and pause the video anytime you think you want to go ahead and highlight something and you and God go in and have your own time. Don't let me hold that process up. Um, so we're going to jump straight in. And again, I'll explain some of the highlighting and the notes that I take and we'll share cross references, cross references um, so that we can just all be on the same page. I am using the New English Translation. Now, let me give you the, the skin on that. Um, it's basically, if you ever looked at the chart as far as um, Bible translations and which things are most literal, which things are more formal, which things are more paraphrased, this one strikes like right there in the middle. Um, and it, what it, it aims to do, it's called the New English Translation, is it, it aims to give you the original thought behind what was written in the original well, not the original, because we don't have the original, original copies, but the ancient manuscripts. So your version might be slightly different, but that's okay. The idea is still there. And if you'd like to, again, you can go to Bible Gateway. I think it's Bible Gateway, but I, I know it's blueletterbible.org. I think Bible um, Gateway and I think Bible Hub. And you can also print it out and just mark it along with me if you want to do that. All right, so let's get started. It says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So let's just stop there before we get started. Now look at that. Um, Paul is talking about being raised. So that's the whole subject. That's the condition first because the condition is if you are this okay it says then if and then then so if you're this then keep on doing that okay so that's how we kind of break it down um and so let me just share my first note with you let me go back here so that we are on the same page i want to see it from that point of view um resurrection is from the latin and you see that word resurrectio meaning rising again and then look at that a return to life after having died and that mainly refers to the resurrection of christ the central event and let me click that so you can read it the central event of the christian faith i'm right here also refers to the Christian doctrine of corporate resurrection, which is connected to the judgment of both the living and the dead. And then you see that resource that I have here. It literally means resurrection from uh, out from among dead ones. And that's from the New King James Version um, Bible. So if we put all that into perspective when we read this, this is why we slow down. So where did I get that from? It says, if you've been raised with Christ, or in other words, if you've, if you've died and returned again, if you've, been, if you've received life along with those who were formerly dead, You've come out of your um, old man and put on the new man in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, if you've done this, then keep on. So we'll keep pick that up. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Okay. And if you'll notice here, I have these markings and this is from the inductive Bible study. If you want to Google that, they have certain things that you can use so that when you're reading, 
you mark the text in a certain way. So every time you see Christ on the screen that you're looking at, um, that's because it's marked with a cross so that it stands out. So this technique might not work for you. Something else might work for you, but I just wanted to explain to you that when you see all these crosses and symbols that that comes from the inductive Bible study method. All right. So it says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. And where is he seated? He's seated at the right hand of God. So here's my symbol and reminding this deals with the Trinity. So that's why you have that triangle when you see God. And then he says, keep thinking. So here it is. Keep seeking and then keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. Boy, that's, that's, that's a hard thing. You know, back in the day, we say that's a trip, right? And there, or in other words, that's the biggest challenge, uh, for a lot of us, you know, just living in this world, how to, you know, to keep seeking the things above when our natural needs are crying out so loudly and then keep thinking when our natural, those natural things that we deal with on a daily basis, they speak so loudly. But then Paul is writing this letter uh, to the to this church to say, hey, set your mind. So if you look at my note, it says set your mind on things above. The false teachers were instructing the Colossians to concentrate on temporal observances. Okay, things that really don't hold a whole lot of weight. So in contrast, Paul, so you can catch up with my um, note here, it says here, uh, where are we at? Paul instructs them to con concentrate on the eternal realities of heaven. I thought that was powerful, you know, which can help us as we progress through this natural world or through this world. I want, I don't want to keep saying just natural because God created and everything that's natural was first created out of something that was spiritual, but he's saying, concentrate our focus on the eternal realities of heaven. The Greek verb for set, for set emphasizes an ongoing decision. So in other words, we have to keep deciding to do this. We have to keep deciding to focus on the eternal realities of heaven, of heaven. Christians must continually discipline themselves to focus on eternal realities instead of the temporal realities of this earth. A Christian's life is no longer dictated by this world, but is hidden with Christ. The Greek word for hidden indicates that God has accomplished this in the past so that it is a present reality. Man, that's good. So if you needed to pause the video to jot down some notes, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Keep seeking, keep thinking. What are we thinking about? We're thinking about those eternal realities. So this is a discipline for you, for me, all of us. You know, this. they said, I think I heard a while ago, they were talking about the amount, amount of um, mental challenges and the level of anxiety that has, has increased among people, you know, because of all the stuff that's going on in the world. Well, something like this will help us, you know, that when we, those things that come to shake us, God help me have an eternal perspective. So let's keep reading verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So now he gives the reason behind his thinking, you know, in other words, we haven't literally died. We haven't literally died. So what is he talking about? Think about that resurrection that I talk about it. 
that I mentioned earlier. You know, you come from an old man situation to a new man. You're coming out of being born again, out of a dead situation unto new life. And so if we have good cross references, uh, Romans six, verse two, absolutely, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so you're going to see the importance of that cross reference as we continue on, because now we're not talking about just only dying and having a new life in Christ. But what did you die to? It says we've died to sin. Now I know that's hard to wrap your heart, man, mind around. Even for myself, it's like, well, you know, geez, I, I sin. So I couldn't have, been, I couldn't have died to sin. But I think what I believe you got to des- decide where you locate is you've died from that habitual sin. You've died from that life where you used to sin and it didn't move. You didn't bother you. You didn't care what God thought. There wasn't someone that who you were serving. You didn't repent. You didn't have a godly sorrow behind what you've done. Okay. That's the way I interpret. I believe that that it should be interpreted because we all fall short. We all sin. We all make mistakes. We all do things outside of the will of God. But when we say we're died to sin, we're not obligated. There's a version that talks about it. I'm not obligated to sin anymore. I'm not obligated that I can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay. So he's saying your life is hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ. And then where in God hidden with Christ, where in God. So then continue when Christ, there's my symbol again, who is your life? Christ is your life. Now I want to pause for a minute and I want to tell you that again, with the net Bible, you can actually go online and it's called netbible.org. And I like that, um, actual website because what it does is if you look right here, it says when Christ, who is your life? It's in parentheses. And so where the net is different is that when they, they, the translator gives you notes and they say, okay, and these old manuscripts that you see right there that they're talking about right here says certain MSS that stands for manuscripts. So these manuscripts, that's their title. So they have this one and it says read, and then they give you the actual Greek word. And it says, while others, that manuscript read another Greek word. Okay. So that's why when you're reading, you're going to have the differences in the translation where you see one word from that that's differed from the King James, the new King James to the net Bible. Okay. So it says when Christ is your life appears. And again, depending upon your Bible version, you may or may not see that. So who is your life appears? So he's talking about when Christ returns, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. Now that's powerful, Paul, you know, you too. So go ahead and highlight that. That's important. That's a reality for us today. You too, you under the sound of my voice will be revealed in glory with him. When he returns, when the archangel and the sound of the trumpet says you, we will be revealed in glory with him. So I wanted to look at a note here, um, by glory. What does he mean here? It's the glorious condition of blessedness unto which is appointed and promised 
that true Christians shall enter after their Savior's return from heaven. That is blueletterbible.org. And so I want to make sure that was the end of it. But notice that it says the glorious condition of blessedness. And when will this happen? When, right, right, the return, their Savior, our Savior's return from heaven. So let's take a look at a good cross reference with that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 43. And it says it is the same with the resurrection of the dead. So think about this. What is sown perishable, that's our body. What is raised imperishable, our new body. It is sown in dishonor, that's our body and all of that. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness is raised in power. So that's the glory. That's part of that glory that that Paul is referencing with us for us that the the perishable, the perishable, that's our body, will put on the imperishable will live forever with God. So let's continue on. So the reason why cross references are important is they breathe life into what you're reading. They give you a good vantage point. Okay. So that you can look and interpret scripture by other scripture. So it's good to, to get you a good Bible or a good program or a good app that gives you good cross references. I like a lot of the apps, but sometimes I have to use multiple apps because one will be really good, but then they give you no cross references. Okay. Cross references help you to balance and see the, the entire word with the aerial view. So let's look at verse five. So put to death. So here's Paul's instructions, right? He's saying, okay, you're going to be raised, revealed in glory with him. And then he says, so put to death, whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. So let's go back. Remember when we talked about dying to sin, not only that will we physically die, but while we're here on earth, we have a, a, a death that should occur. That's why, thank you, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you must be born again when he was speaking to Nicodemus, right? He's saying, so, and then check this out. A lot of times we put a lot of stuff on God and here's the thing. Yes, we need the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. His name is Jehovah Makedesh, the one who sanctifies, the God of sanctification. So he will do that, but we, it says put to, Paul's talking to us, we put to death whatever is in our nature that belongs to the earth, earthly. You know how you hear people say, oh, that was in the flesh. That's what he's talking about. So let's take a look at another cross reference here found in Romans 7 verses 18 through 25. For I know, this is Paul, that nothing good, check this out. This is Paul talking about himself. Nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. For I want to do good, the, the good, but I can't not do it. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil I do not want. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer me doing it, but sin that life lives in me. Stop right there. Look at that. Paul was making a distinction and he's saying there's this thing called me and then there's this thing that's called the sin in me. 
That's why it says, therefore, in Christ, those we have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is recognizing right here, there's the me and then there's something called the sin in me. And then he says to 21, so I find the law that when I want to do good, now he talking about just, you know, the law is in the 10 commandments. He's saying there, there's something that operates. There's a principle that operates within me that when I want to do good, evil is present with me for I delight. Let me take that back. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. So in other words, in my spirit, man, in my born again spirit, I desire, I delight in the law of God. And then he says, but I see a different law in my members waging war against the law of my mind and making me, let me go ahead and click on that. It says, uh, where are we at here? Uh, um, let me pick it up here for, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh for, I want to do the good, but I cannot do it for. I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil. I do not want now. If I do what I do not want, it is no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. So I find the law that when I want to do good, come on, check that out. Evil is present within me for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see a different law in my members waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that is in my members. Wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Now that's Paul who wrote two thirds of the new Testament. So what in the world do we think? So sometimes we need to take note in this, that sometimes we're blaming the devil when we don't understand we might be dealing right. The devil is the author of all confusion, lies and sin. So we get that. But because we were born into the first Adam, our spirit came alive, but our soul ain't going nowhere. In other words, Okay. He's saying that there's a different law that in, that wages war. Joyce Meyer wrote the book, the battlefield is in the mind. And he's saying, if I'm not, you know, when I want to do right, I don't do right. But then here's the thing who he said will deliver me from this. And he says, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. So we're at the same place. You know, although we're born again, we're still going to have challenges and times where we're wrestling with, with what? That nature, that sinful nature. You know, that's why he said, you got to put it to death. You know, when it's calling out, crying out to you. And then here it is, here it is here. He's going to take us on to something, but let me go ahead. And before I go on to that, <clears throat> he's the textual note. That's what means TN means in the Greek. It means the members were, which are on the earth. And then they go on again to note the different old ancient manuscripts. So here Paul has a colon and he says this nature that belongs to the earth. This is what it does. Sexual immorality. You know, I won't go deep into that, but we're dealing with a lot of that. Not just in America, world, the world, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, 
evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. He breaks it down. He breaks it down for us. And then verse six, then I want you to highlight this. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Come on. We have to locate where we are on that. And again, here's my note for God. It's coming on. Now check this out. When people holler about grace, this is in Colossians. <laughs> this ain't law. That's why you can't confuse when Paul talks about in his under other letters when he says, I'm not under the law, because clearly in Colossians, he's saying there's some things that we have to deal with that come up against that are in our sinful, that are in our nature, that we wrestle. That's why it says the mind wars against the flesh wars against the things of the spirit, that there's the, that war that goes on. Um, and a lot of times we, we end up in shame or, or feel shamed when we fall and we, we shouldn't feel shamed. We just keep seeking. Our heart is bent towards doing our best to obey God. And when we fall short, we ask the one who's Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord God who sanctifies us. Okay. And I'm saying us cause I'm right on in there. So when you see CF, I thought that uh, before me, it's another way to say cross, you know, you think a cross reference, but it actually stands for compare. I don't know if it's in the Latin or whatever, but it just means compare. So in other words, compare what we just read to this, to this cross re cross reference in Ephesians 2, 2, it says in which you formerly lived, this is Paul too. You formerly lived according to this world's present path, according to the ruler of the domain of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience. So here we are again, using a cross reference to get it. So Paul is still saying, you know, you got, we got that evil spirit, that, that demonic spirit and all of his um, demons and minions that we're dealing with. And those things have impact on our sinful nature. They, they just do. I mean, I, you can get frustrated on the daily when you just go in your, not my email, but just anything, you know, you're trying to do right and things pop up and it's like, what in the world is this? You know, because those things that the, the, that the devil's trying to control, those things come in to, to speak to our, our nature, our first Adam, so that it can try to get control of us. That's how it works. Okay. And then, but, but God, but Paul is saying here, now be careful though. The wrath of God will come on the sons of disobedience. Now you have to study that out. We looked at the scripture. Um, we just want to take a look at this uh, textual. This is a textual comment and it says on the sons of disobedience. And so let's just take a look at that. So basically they're saying these words, the son of disobedience are lacking in some of the ancient manuscripts. These are the names for, for those ancient manuscripts that we have. It says the words are omitted. So if you're looking at your version, you might not see the sons of dis disobedience. Okay, here are the versions that they said that have taken it out. The NASB, the NIV, the ESV, and the TNIV. I think that, I forgot what that one was called. Um, oh gosh, I forgot that one. That just loves me. It's just the new, it's the, another version of the NIV. And it says, this textual problem is quite difficult to resolve. On the one hand, 
the parallel account of Ephesians 5, 6, which says, let nobody deceive you with empty words for because of these things, God wraths, God's wrath comes on the sons of disobedience. So they're saying because in Ephesians 5, 6, they have this, these words, thus provi providing scribes a motive for adding them here. So what they're saying is, although they weren't in original manuscripts, um, in some versions, it's probably there like the new King James version may have it because the scribes came in later and added them for clarity because of what it says in Ephesians five, six. Okay. And then it says this particular version of the Bible is called the net Bible. It says, on the other hand, the reading without the words may be too hard. So in other words, NASB and IV, ESV, TNIV who have taken it out, they're saying it might be too hard. So it seems to have no antecedent without this. And then it goes into all of that stuff. Okay. It shows you, but the end conclusion is that they say that, um, further, although the witness of this manuscript is especially important, there are other places in which that manuscript and another man's manuscript share errant readings of omission. So from their point of view, to take the word, the phrase sons of disobedience out, that that might be uh, an error. Okay. And then the study note is this expression sons of disobedience is a Semitic idiom that means people characterized by disobedience. So what does it refer to? All those who are disobedient. So you have to decide where you're located. Okay. And that's why it's important to look at the translations you're reading out of to see, okay, do I agree with them taking certain words out of the translation? Okay. I'm not here to tell you. I just have to make my own decision. You have to make your own personal decision. All right. So here we go. Verse seven. You also lived your lives in this way at one time. So remember, he's talking to the Colossians. He's talking about, you know, doing all these things, all the things up here. And he's saying, you know, that wrath comes on the sons of disobedience. And then he's saying, hey, guess what, y'all, 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 y'all used to do this too. He said, when you used to live among them, you used to live among them. And so you think about that, even with Christians, our Christians today, you know, we get out there, we have a, we, I don't want to say we, let's just say some people, they start off well. That's why Paul says, you know, to, I think he says, I think in Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians who have betwixt you or who have fooled you or who have deceived you. Right. Because Paul is saying you also, but here he's saying, you're doing good to the Colossians. He said, you used to live like this too. You used to live like this too. Okay. He said, but now put off, put off all such things. So let's just see what my note notice. This letter is written to people who have confessed Christ. Okay. So all this greasy grace, sometimes we need to realize he's talking to believers. And he's not saying, oh, you under, you under Jesus. And so you ain't got to worry about nothing. He's writing this letter to people who have confessed Christ. Why is that important? Because grace did not excuse them from the responsibility of living a sanctified life. And it doesn't, let me go ahead and say, or show you, share you share my note. And it doesn't excuse Christians today. Okay. Same way he's talking to them that applies. 
This is after after the law, if we want to hang our hats so hard on that. And then it says, at one time you used to live. Here's the cross reference, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Some of you once lived this way, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And that's how we war. That's how we keep reminding ourselves. And Paul is doing that. He's reminding us of who we are, that we, we don't go back to this. You used to live among them stuff that we keep pressing. Okay. Verse eight, but now he's saying, put off all such things, put off what anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Okay. Now I want to share this. If you don't know, I think you can get logos Bible for free. Um, because I like to, if you notice here, I like uh, underline that. And my underlines are things that it's important for me to remember, but they're not as, as blazingly. They're just like a phrase that I want to remember. So put off all, put off all, not some put off all. So I underline that in red. And then I put this in these fire things because they're work they're the works of the of the devil when they're not controlled like anger you know you can have a a righteous anger but when it's out of control then we're not that's not the the anger that in one scripture it says uh, man's anger does not achieve the righteousness of god rage you know when you see people cutting folks off um flipping the we used to say that growing up flipping the bird and all of that stuff malice that's evil intention you know, slander. We getting that a lot on social media today, you know, saying anything about anything about other people, about their ministry. Also be aware of those we follow when on YouTube, their only, um, um, platform is to criticize and point out the finger to every other pastor that's doing wrong. You know, be aware of that. Be aware of that, that that's where they get their likes. That's where they get their follows because they're tearing down other people's ministries constantly. And I'm not saying that the light don't have to expose the darkness, but when that's all you do, there may be a problem. Okay. Let me keep going. Abusive language from where your mouth that's in red, you know, even, you know, when we say nowadays, you know, it's okay for Christians to cuss, cuss. Well, hold on. Is that an abusive language when you literally are cussing somebody out, you know, and then you don't have to cuss anybody out to have a abusive language, you know, just, just hard and rough and, um, offensive, you know, my hand is up. We all have things that we are working and we're trying to, we're dead to sin and we want to keep it dead, but we need the Holy ghost to help us. Okay. All right. Verse nine, do not lie. Here we go. Here we go to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his practices right there, highlight that. And so here it is in fire red and then have, that was significant to me. Have past tense. He's saying, have, you were born again. You've put off the old man with its practices. Okay. I mean, biggest day I, you know, within the last few weeks, I'm realizing that thing right there lying. You know, my mother used to say, she said, you know, she wasn't always, uh, uh, refined when she spoke, but she said, honey, I hate a liar. 
right? And I'm saying we, we all don't have some things, but that lion, because he says the, the Diablo, Satan, is the father of lies. So if you find or that that's a thing for you, you know, because again, we all have our things. Ask the father to deliver you from that spirit because it's a spirit of deception. And then what happens is you can reinforce that same spirit. And the next thing you know, you become Satan's puppet. You can be fully, you know, have salvation, but you know, I won't even continue that statement. I'll do it on, a, on another time, but let me just stick to this. That line, like we used to say today in the back in the day, that line is a mug. You don't want to get caught, caught up in, uh, in that, you know? And we all, I heard a good message recently, you know, and cause shoot, I think in some way, shape or form, we all kind of have lied you know, or lies at times. You know how you, uh, you put, uh, on your driver's lessons, you five foot eight and you know, you five foot two, right? So all of it, we all have to examine that. But because Paul is just saying, just put off the, you know, old man with his practices, because you got to remember, remember the verse, the scripture we just read. Paul himself was like, the thing I do, I don't want to do. And the thing I should do that I don't do. Right. So we all we don't have to be in condemnation. The thing we do is we just tell the truth to ourselves and say, oh, OK, yeah. OK, God. Yeah, I do that. Help me. Okay, verse 10, and have been clothed with the new man. So we have the armor. We have been clothed. And then it says, now we're going to go a little slower in this section because look at how long verse, well, 10 is not that long, but let's see. It says, and have been clothed with the new man. That is being, so look at what I highlight, have been being renewed past tense, knowledge. So it reads, and having been past tense, clothed, past tense with the new man that is being that's current that's present tense renew past tense in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it so he's saying we have this clothing um and that we our spirit is being renewed that sanctification is a process and then he tells you how it is renewed is renewed in the knowledge and how the knowledge is according to the image of God, the one who created it. So highlight that clothed with the new man. Pause this video if you need to ask yourself, God, am I walking in the new man? And so I wrote a note to myself. My renewal is in the fact that God is continually creating me in his image and his likeness. That there's no day that I will have arrived, right? Jesus paid it all. So I'm being renewed. I'm being renewed. So I don't let people, other people hang me up and condemn me and point the fingers because I already agree with you. I'm being renewed. Not perfect. I We fall short, but we get up again. Okay. And so that was my personal note. And so this is how you engage with the Bible instead of just, you know, reading it and go, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay. Well, what is he saying to you specifically? And so our cross reference is Colossians 3 and 10 and have been. Well, that's the one. Well, that's 310. That's the one we already did. So let's let's go on to the next um, cross reference or note. And so this transliteration is from for the word renewed. 
Okay, so let's take a look at that. So I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that, but here it is, the transliteration, and that just means from one language to another, we assign letters so we can pronounce that word in our language. So it's an ak ahi no o. <laughs> so that's my best shot. You could probably do a lot better. And it means of the new man. We're, we're referencing the word renewed. Again, that is, this is the Greek word. This is how you pronounce it. It says of the new man or in contrast, trast to the old un or unregenerate or un unregenerated nature, which is being renewed unto knowledge. Okay, so we were born again, our spirit man. Let me give you a reference. This is a great book to read. I'm still working through it. It's called The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. I almost feel like everybody needs to read it. But anyways, um, you know, you get, you get a hold of how you are tripartite being, that your spirit, um, at the beginning when God said he breathed into Adam the breath of life and man became a living soul. That's what God called man, became a living soul. So you, you are a soul. And then when God gave him the breath of life, that was the spirit, your spirit in you. And then you have your body. That's why you tripartite three parts. And so we our spirit is perfect before God. You know, it's saved, it's redeemed. Jesus paid it all. The problem, like Paul has talked about here, is that first Adam in all of us that tries to raise up. That's the one that has to be renewed in knowledge. So therefore, I'm kind of amazed. I was one of them. You know, I'll just put me in there. Well, when, look, I'll just use me. When I just had, didn't have time, you know, in my earlier life, oh, time to read the Bible. Oh, the time. Well, you don't want to be renewed in knowledge because God ain't coming down here uh, giving us no specific personalized dissertation. His dissertation is between Genesis and Revelation. And so if we don't take the time to read, it's not Christianese, it's not to look holy, it's so that we can be renewed in his knowledge. So he says, that's why Christ or, or the scriptures say, renewed in your mind, your mind, put on the new mind, have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay. So verse 11, see again, notice mine. You may come up with your own little cute things to do. And again, I forgot. I don't know if I said this, but logos may have a free version. I'm not sure. And I think you should be able to do different things. You know, you'll be able to not like, for instance, when I look at my Bible and then everything's like in a yellow highlighter, then everything seems equal where some things are not equal. So for me, when I double box things, that's something that, you know, okay, I'm looking at the state of that word, that this is a past, this is a present tense situation. This is a past tense situation. Okay. And you can do the same thing, whatever works for you. So it says that we read all that verse 11 here, there is neither. So Paul is saying here, here, what in this being renewed, there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is it is all and in all. 
So he puts this note and says, hey, don't get it twisted. It don't have nothing to do with the race. It don't have nothing to do with whether you're circumcised. It have nothing to do with what, whether you are a barbarian. It has nothing to do with your slave. Christ is in all. And he is all and in all. Okay, so let's take a look at this note here. It says, oh, fellow slave. That's an, uh, another uh, note that the Net Bible put there. All right, so exhortation to unity and love. Okay, so, well, we had all this talk about sin and, you know, being renewed and putting on the new man. And so Paul's going to continue on and he's going to talk about unity and love. So here we go. I mean, that's going to help all of us out, you know, whether you have a family, whether you married or not, we are all in relationship, hopefully, you know, no man is an island. I think we all have to relate to people. So this is just telling us, especially, well, not, well, yeah, especially in the body of Christ, you know, this should be our general MO, but especially in the body of Christ. So here we go. Therefore, check this out as the elect of God. Isn't that a good title to call yourself? You are the elect of God. If I were you in your Bible or in your note, put up there, put that up there. I am the elect of God. I am holy. I am dearly loved. And because of that comma, Paul says, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience bearing woo stop right there with one another and forgiving one another how many is that y'all let's see that's one two three four five six seven there's that good number that special number seven again you know just take a look and just say again no condemnation you know i look at it and i say okay kindness um let me work on that jesus Humility, God, let me work on that. Gentleness, oh, I'm not really that gentle, God. That is just not, you know, the second nature of it all. But help me, Holy Spirit, to be gentle. You know, patience, oh my gosh, God, when I go to Publix, there's just the thing when someone's in front of me and they're writing a check and they have debit cards and credit cards out now. And now I have to wait for you to fill out this check. Okay. Anyways, or forgiving, you know, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a big one. You know, when you want to hold on, you want to hold on because that person has wronged you and it is a wound that you are waiting to turn into a scar. We don't naturally know how to do that thing, but we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And notice forgiving, forgiving is in stages. Forgiving is a process right and you just keep talking to your spirit telling your spirit telling your spirit come on it's back to that battle that paul talked about the thing i want to do i want to forgive you but my mind this thing in the flesh is saying no you did me wrong you did me wrong and i want to hold on to it right so those are the battles that we go go through it's just real all right so here we go if someone happens to have a complaint against one uh anyone else and then here's the thing I had to highlight this because when on those days when you want to remember what so-and-so did to you, all I have to do is remember this, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. 
And I'm also reminded of that scripture. I think when he talks about Jesus gave a parable and he talked about the dude who went and, you know, he was getting, getting ready to be thrown in the jail and then he was excused. And, you know, the per once he was excused, he went and found somebody that owed him a debt and didn't excuse that person. You know, and Jesus gave a big warning for that. Like, how dare you? When I went to the cross, forgiving you, giving up my life, that you hold somebody in debt. You know, that's just, that's rough. I'm just going to tell y'all that's rough. It's hard because the thing is, I often say sometimes to Jesus, yeah, but God, when you know those days when you want to argue with God, say, yeah, God, but I'm not you. I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. But you do, you get back to yourself and you say, I know this is not right. My spirit wants to forgive, but the memory of what happened, the memory of what was done, the memory of that holds me up. And so you just keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you just keep doing it. Get up every day and you just keep doing it. So keep going. Verse 14, did I miss anything y'all? Did we, oh, let's do a cross reference here. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, whenever you stand praying, come on. So this is what I'm talking about. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them, comma, so, 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 so in other words, it means if you want your father in heaven to forgive your sins, you better forgive. In other words, don't go to running to church talking about hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm not saying that there's not a process and the Holy Spirit don't have to heal you, but I'm talking about when you intentionally want to hold on, when you intentionally want to hold the grudge, when you intentionally don't plan on trying to ask God to help you to forgive that other person. It's intentional, right? Because Christ knows we, we have our things. So we just honest with him and say that, you know, hey, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. But he can see that that spirit man is warring against that sinful man, against that first Adam that tries to rise up. So verse 14, by the way, matter of fact, the devil knows that scripture better than most of us. But that's why he tries to send people to offend us. Because he knows that it can be an obstacle between, our, between us and the father. Our relationship can be kind of hindered. So that's why he works overtime to, to, to send people in our lives to offend us. This is what he does. Okay, verse 14. And to all these virtues, okay, what virtues? The seven that we listed. He's saying add love, which is the perfect bond. So here's my little symbol comes from logos. And he's saying that love is the perfect bond. It holds all this stuff together. And then here, the reason why that's um, uh, split up is because in logos, they I have a setting on that says that shows me um, when other people highlighted the same thing I highlighted. So it's highlighted. So it says four people highlighted this. So it says, let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart. For you were in fact called as one body to this peace and be thankful. Okay, so I put a box around one body if you want to go ahead and do that. Um, and then uh, we'll go on to 16, but let's take a note because see, we see this is in parentheses. For you were in fact called as one body to this piece. So let's see what's going on. It says um, the textual note in one body, this phrase emphasizes the manner in which the believers were called, not the goal of their calling and focuses upon their unity. 
Okay. Not the goal of their, their calling, but it focuses upon their unity. And it says, and be thankful. Here's a cross reference. First Thessalonians 5, 18 in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Paul was saying again, reminding us to be thankful. So case in point, I like to share tips. Um, you probably saw it on Oprah a long time ago, but one of the best things that I think I've started doing it cause he says, enter into his gates with Thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. So before I set off to pray in my own quiet time, I, I want to start with, you know, cause there might be a day where it's not a great day and you feel like, oh, I got to take these petitions to God. This is wrong. That is wrong. This is wrong. Jesus helped me to do this, that, and the other. Well, it's good to enter into his gates with Thanksgiving. So you can just take a journal or there's even some apps where you can say today, I am God. I'm thankful that gave me life. God, I'm thankful that I can look and, and I can see with my eyes. God, I'm thankful that I have family members who love me. God, I'm thankful that I have friends. God, I thank you that you gave me your word. God, I thank you that Jesus Christ came and, and took on the likeness of, 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 of humankind to save someone like myself. And so you've already set the, the atmosphere because he said he inhabits the praises of his people. He sits in it. So Paul's saying, be thankful. In verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Highlight that. Because again, it goes back to how do we say we're Christians? How do we say that um, we are followers or disciples of Christ? If we're not even reading the word, how are you going to let the word dwell? Okay, so 18, this is a textual comment. Since the word of Christ occurs nowhere else, the word, that phrase, the word of Christ occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. Two predictable variants arose. What do they mean by that? If you're looking at another um, translation, you may, may see the word of God or the word of the, lo the Lord. Okay. You might see those two. That's what they mean by that. Two predictable variants arose. And it says, even though some of the witnesses for these variants are impressive, what witnesses this, this thing right here, that's the name of one of the manuscripts, uh, of one of the, um, uh, this is a Greek word for of the Lord, I believe. And then here's another manuscript name. Okay. And then it's just saying that on both internal and external grounds, this is strongly preferred. So the translators are just giving you the reason why they, in their translation say word of Christ. Okay, dwell in you richly, in richly, not just, you know, surface level, let it dwell in you richly. Here's another plug too. Again, there's another Bible app called Dwell. You have to pay for this one, but it's really good y'all because I think you can pay, I don't know if you can pay 99 cent a month, something like that, but it's called Dwell. And you can just sit there and put it in your ears and you can read it and you can just, it just goes over and over. If you want to hear Psalm 23, 50 times and you want to read it and hear it at the same time, they even have playlists. So I'm giving a plug because I think the app is um, pretty neat. 
because that's a good way to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says, then teach, teach. You don't have to be on the platform to teach. You don't have to be on the pulpit to teach. You can be in a cubicle next to your coworker and teach and exhorting in, in print and caps one another with all wisdom, not our wisdom, God's wisdom, the word of the Lord, the word of Christ. We're exhorting with all wisdom. And let me tell you something. That's rough, y'all. It's, 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 it's challenging because we all got, you know, we all grew up and we grew up on our mom's saying, sayings and things, you know, um, just, just wisdom from the world, the things that we would do, you know, um, let's say something like maybe you grew up and you heard, I'm gonna get you for you get me right. That's totally opposite from what God says, where he says, love your enemies. So that's why you have to get his wisdom. And then it says singing. I want to highlight that because I want y'all to know it don't say here those who uh, have the gift of singing. Those are instructions for us all singing psalms, singing hymns. And look at that psalms, the psalms. Some of those psalms are meant to be sung. And then hymns and spiritual songs all with grace you know, in your hearts to God. So here's the thing, you know, people come against me. Oh, you know, I know there was a time when praise and worship came out and they were like, well, you should be singing only the hymns. Those songs aren't this, those songs aren't that. Okay. You have to locate where you are. My thing is spiritual songs. Do they speak the word? Do they point me to God? Do they remind me? Do they uh, provoke me to worship him? Okay, so we don't get so in the box. It says it all psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with all grace, where in your hearts, not in your minds, not in your head, not trying to impress people, but to God. I'm singing to God. So that that way, for instance, all the folks who are out there talking about you aren't on your note, da da da. Well, it ain't meant for you, anyways. Because even if God hears the imperfect note, I'm pretty sure he'd rather hear an imperfect note from somebody whose heart's towards him than a perfect note who someone's not. He don't care. It's, it's in our hearts. It's whether we are worshiping him. Come on, Jesus. In I think that's John 4. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In truth, that our hearts are leaned and turns, turned towards the Father. And then in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do. So Paul's saying, just in case I miss anything, anything, whether you talking word or deed, you're doing something, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. That's powerful. Let's see how many people highlighted that. Well, it says five people highlighted this. I think probably more people did. So I don't know. But anyways, the thing is, you're saying giving thanks to God through to giving thanks to God, the father through who, through Christ Jesus. And he's saying, whatever you do, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm running and dealing with this a little bit is that sometimes, you know, we want to be applauded from the world for the world. Look at me, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. Well, in at the end of the day, is it all for in the name of the Lord Jesus? 
Is it um, to show him, is, is your deeds or words there to show how great God really is? Because Paul's saying, whatever you do, you know, the world, we will get the applause from the world on many things. I mean, people can go out and, you know, I think if you're watching basketball and they throw up this unique three-pointer or with one hand at the end of the buzzer, everybody's like on their feet. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we puff up the wrong things. We puff up the wrong things. And, and, and the person who's in the, you know, I don't know, um, in, in Sunday school or who's a Bible teacher or, or, you know, they are a janitor at the church or not even at the church, some mission home or, or whatever. You know, there's no applause for those people. But the, the, the point is whether you get applause or not, as long as you know you are doing it in word or deed in the name of Lord, the Lord Jesus. And that is your eternal reward. All right, so here we go. We're getting ready to shift gears. We're gonna talk about households, okay? And again, if you're married or even if you're not, if you're single, you know, you still got a brother. Well, some of us have brothers and sisters and cousins and all of that. But then first he's going to talk about the marital relationship. So here we go. Wives submit. So it's like, okay, okay, God, what are you saying here? So we have to look this up. Transliteration. Here's the transliteration. H-Y-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. And I'm not going to try to pronounce it this time, but well, I'll try hoop, ought, ass, so hoop, ought, or oat, hoop, oat, ass, o. That sounds a little weird. So y'all try it. All right. It says this word was a Greek military term, meaning to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. Come on. So right there, when it says wives, Paul is saying that we arrange ourselves under the command of our spouse. Now it says in non-military use, it was a voluntary, here it is, attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. There is nowhere in here that says that somebody should clock me and, and knock my head up under the refrigerator and that is submission. Okay. It's where I voluntarily, because nobody can force you. We should just want to do it because we love God and want to obey. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in, of cooperating, of assuming responsibility and helping our husbands to carry the burden. Okay. Now, I mean, I'm be real. It's rough. <laughs> it could be rough, especially if, you know, you might see, okay, mm, I don't think you're going the right way, but how do we cooperate? How do we maintain the unity? Cause we do have to balance that out. I mean, there's a particular scripture where I can't, I forgot, but it was a woman of God, you know, David wanted to go do something. And then her husband, um, I think it was, it was it Nathan. It wasn't Nathan. Oh gosh. I can't remember, but it was so messed up. Y'all have to research it that this same woman, because she stood up to what her, her husband was doing was wrong. Um, that she ended up leaving the husband um, now I ain't gonna talk on that but I think he, David ended up marrying her but y'all google that I can't remember it all the way but here's another example Ananias and Sapphira when when the husband dropped dead 
The apostles called them in and said, why did you do this thing that your husband told you to do? And he said, paraphrasing, and, and I think it was Peter said, the ones who carried your husband out are now going to carry you out. And she dropped dead. So we have to be, to, as wives, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit in what we submit to. Because it can't go against the will of the Father. Okay? It cannot go against the will of the Father. So I'm going to say it. All right. So here's um, um, husbands. And so we won't go into that note. It says, as is fitting in the Lord. That tells you something right there. Fitting the Lord. The God, God wouldn't call you to do something that's evil you know, in the name of submitting. So verse 19, husbands love right here. So when we look at that note and I went ahead and um, boxed that in, E-A-G-A-P-A-O, and you think of the word agape, right? And then um, I always would say agape, but another form of it is agape-O. So Christian love, whether exercise toward the brethren or toward men general in general is not an impulse from the feelings. In other words, agape is not a, okay, I feel kind of a love. I feel like loving you. It does not always run with the natural inclinations. What does that mean? You, you, I mean, you don't have to have the love feelings to love somebody. Okay. This says, nor does it spend itself only upon those for whom some affinity is discovered. Love seeks the welfare of all. It works no ill to any. Love seeks opportunity to do good to all men and especially toward them that are of the household of faith. That is from blueletterbible.org. That the love that we were raised on and, and grew up on, and, you know, all the feely stuff, which, you know, I believe it ha it contains a subset of romantic love, you know, a subset of feelings and all that. But anybody who knows marriage goes through those little seasons, twists and turns. You can't rely on the husbands, especially you can't rely on feeling, you know, you're commanded to. And it says, love your wives. I'm going to say that. Love your wives, not nobody else, not 50,000 people, not the folks on YouTube or the people in Facebook or anybody DM you, you or your coworker in the cubicle, your wives, and do not be embittered against them. How many people highlighted that? Oh, it says four. Okay. Don't be embittered. And then he goes on children, obey your parents and everything for this is pleasing in the Lord fathers. Do not provoke your children so they will not become disheartened. Okay, so here we go. Let's look at this. The textual note here is just referring to saying that when you see fathers, right, when they translated that, it can be used to refer to both male and female, the, both parents. So if you're in a single household, and you're, you're the woman, right? And you're running the household. Don't read the scripture and say, well, that don't apply to me. You know, it still applies. If you're the head of the household, you're a single mother, then that single mother do not provoke your children. So they won't become disheartened. Okay. Verse 22 slaves. So, I mean, that's a whole thing right there. 
you know um i talked about that in another uh video you can check that out um but some translate slaves some say bond servants all of that i think it comes from the word doulos d-u-o-l-o-s I, I believe i'm not sure so you could have you'd have to google that but i'm not focusing on that you'd have to check it out in another video it says slaves obey your earthly masters in every respect not only when they are watching like those who are strictly people pleasers but with a sincere heart fearing the lord so when I think of that, I think about into our times, you know, we don't have slavery like that. Um, we're talking about employee employer relationships, you know, that we, you know, when you, when your boss comes in that, you know, you got through watching, um, now married at first sight and you're trying to make it look like you watching, uh, like you working. That's what you're talking about. You know, not like those who are uh, with a sincere heart fearing the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you are doing, there's that he's referring back to what he said earlier. Whatever you do in word and deed, he says, work at it with enthusiasm. So work at it, at, at, at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord. And I this is what I did in my and not for people. So I'm, I'm reminding myself with that mark through that, hey, it's not for people. And then here, Paul, again, enthusiasm. You might hate, have a job that you hate. That, that's just real, you know, because sometimes we're in seasons in our lives and it's like, oh gosh, I got to do this. I know there was a, you know, a time where I had to do a job and I thought, I'm going to do this job for like six months just so I can get the requirements so I could do what I wanted to do. And that plan worked. But while I was there, I, I, did, I tried to do the best that I could do, you know, um, enthusiasm. Uh, you know, we can look that up in the sense that you might not love it, but it's just our attitude, you know, about it. That's why, honestly, I hate to say it, that a lot of these little self-out checkouts people, I feel bad because they're replacing a lot of people's jobs. And you know why, uh, honestly, is that people, unfortunately, this is not all the time, you go to your local grocery store and the person who came in, they might need that job and they might be a little bitter and they take it out on everybody else. They don't have the enthusiasm and people just kind of don't want to deal with that. So then everybody piles into the self-checkout lane because they don't want to deal with somebody who not only are they not enthusiastic, but they could just be downright rude, right? And so unfortunately, technology has solved that and said, okay, we need less workers at Walmart because we are gonna put in self-checkout. I hate to say it, but maybe that'll motivate all people to, hey, the person who comes through this line don't owe me anything. So let me just work this job as best as I can because I'm doing it for the Lord and not for people. So verse 24, okay because now and also i want to be fair on the flip side you have some customers that are coming in and they're rude and they make your job hard and you're just gonna have to pray that thing through you know start before you go to work pray and ask the lord to cover you keep you in that job situation to keep the enemy from you so that you don't have to deal with you know someone just literally just being offensive to you and rude to you and you know all the stuff that customers can do 
All right, 24, because you know that you, and so Paul gives you a reason. He said, you're not doing it for people, do it for the Lord. Why? Because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. So in other words, even though you don't like that job, you don't feel called to it, it's hard to be enthusiastic about it. He's saying, just do it with in word and deed for the Lord. And then verse 28, we're not going to deal with that. They're talking about the, uh, the pronoun your, but let's look at uh, the, this word inheritance. So here again is the Greek transliteration of that word, the pronunciation of that word and inheritance. What does that mean? It is what is given to one as a possession the eternal blessedness of the consummated kingdom of God, which is to be expected after the visible return of Christ. So in other words, when God comes back, there's an inheritance that we're all looking towards. We already got the first part and that's eternal life. Because Jesus said, those who believe in me, though he, um, he dies, he will live. Or in other words, I came that they may have life and have that life more abundantly. We have already entered in to the true life, the true life. The body will die, but our eternal life is, is given to us, us now. Because the body, the imperishable, the perishable will put on the imperishable. And it says the share which an individual will have in that eternal blessing is eternal, not temporal, temporal, but eternal and eternally blessed, eternally blessed. I, you know, it just amazes me. I'm just so thankful that God has saved me and it was no works of my own, but it was God who chose me and God who chose to save me to be able to receive my inheritance. Okay. As, as the reward. And so I think, did we do that one? Okay. Let's look at the word, um, serve. And this is, uh, from biblehub.com. It says in a good sense, absolutely to yield obedience, to obey one's command and render to him the services due. So that's what Paul is saying serve the Lord, render to the Lord the services that are due. Okay. And so here we go. We're going to um, continue. Um, they have a note here on, there's that word do D O U L E U E T E. That's another form of the word that I talked about uh, earlier. Okay. So let's just go on. It says verse 25 for the one who does wrong. Come on now. Let's locate this. This, this ain't the old Testament. <laughs> this is the new Testament under grace after the resurrection of God. Here are the instructions that Paul is giving. And he's not talking to a set group of people, the Pharisees. He is talking to Christians at the, the, at Colossae. He's saying for the one who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there are no exceptions. Okay. And again, keep that in context. We're talking about the one who practices, not someone who one time, you, you know, you do wrong. Now I will say that when we do wrong, we take a risk that yes, God might forgive us, but that don't always mean those consequences are not coming up. That's just, that's just plain and simple. That does not mean 
that all consequences, now he gets to determine which consequences he'll stand in the way of, you know? He gets to determine that. It's like saying that if somebody was in their house, they could be saved all day, but if you match the light, you play with fire, your house might be burned down. So you'll be repaid for the wrong. God still loves you, but you'll be repaid for the wrong. And again, that's where his mercy comes in. That's where his sovereignty comes in. That's where his justice comes in. He decides what happens with people who do wrong, whether he wants to give mercy. There are some things that, you know, we might do and, you know, just full on grace that God just, just, I mean, we don't have the consequences. Um, and just God saved us from, you know, whatever that wrong was. But again, um, you got to locate where you are. This does not mean you do one thing, one, one wrong time that you, you, you are going to hell, but it does mean it's up to God to see what, what consequences that we might have to deal with. Okay. And then Paul says, there are no exceptions, none no exceptions. Okay. So let's look at this. No, the Greek word used here is that, that long word, and it's usually translated. So in your version, it might say partiality. It is used to describe unjust or unrighteous favoritism. When it comes to disciplining his children for their sins, God will treat all equally without or with no partiality. That's what Paul is saying. So again, that we ended with, what was that? 25 verses. And we went line upon line, precept upon precept, pulling in other scriptures, looking up word studies, making our own notes, applying it to our lives. Okay. So when we talk about this, when we read, right? I like to say, and I think I've heard, you haven't read until the Bible has read you. When I sit down to read, it says in one scripture that it says it's a reflection. It says that it's a mirror. And it's not that we read so, you know, God's main agenda in life is to make us feel bad. That's not what he's doing. We read so we can see the errors when we need to go to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, you know, I'm using a little slang. I'm jacked up right here. So I'm going to need your help, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I'm going to need your help because I want to do my best to represent you. Um, So the Bible, when we read it, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, I could say, I'll just use me. A lot of times you don't want to read it because it is a mirror. Because it's like, you know, if I don't read it, maybe I could just stay in oblivion and believe that somehow, you know, I won't get to see me. Tell myself how great I am if I ignore reading or if I ignore looking in the mirror. Same thing in the natural. If if you you if you don't want to know how bad you look eight at eight a.m. on a Monday, just pass the mirror. Don't look at it. But if you want to know, oh okay, I need to put this little hair strand together over here. And my eyebrows are a little wooly, right? You stop and you look in the mirror. So it's the same thing with us. We stop and we look in the mirror. We look in the mirror. We don't look just like in our physical lives. Hopefully none of us, you know, avoid looking at the mirror every day. But in our our natural life, we look in the mirror every day. And it's the same thing with the word. We look in the mirror because although our spiritual man has been renewed, new birth in Christ, 
we are a living soul. So we have the mind, will, and emotions that's contending with that spirit man. And so we need help and we need to be able to see where we miss the mark. Cause that's all sin is, is when we are missing the mark, the mark of what the mark that God has set, right? The mark he set. And so we keep going along. We keep going along. And I hope you are blessed. I hope we are. Well, I believe we are all growing. We are all growing and working out our soul salvation. So let's wrap this up. So here we have your invitation to salvation. If you are under the sound of my voice and you are not saved, we welcome you into the kingdom of God by providing you with this opportunity. It's not a mistake that you're here. So we're going to sandwich this between some verses. So I want you to take a look at Acts 2, 38 and 39. Pause the video if you need to, but it reads, and Peter said to them, repent, be baptized each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children, for all those who are far away, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. So I'm believing right now that God is calling you to himself. And so what, what we're going to sandwich that, we're going to look at that at Romans 10, 9 and 10. What do you need to do? You can, again, pause the video, but just repeat after me. God, I confess with my mouth that I believe that the Lord Jesus, he is Lord. I recognize his power and his authority and his majesty is God. I, God, believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because of that, God, I am saved with my heart. God, I believe. And with the mouth, I make confession. So it is as simple as that. That's your first step. You know, you're just making baby steps into the kingdom of God. You are believing what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you on the cross through the blood through the blood that was shed. And then you can also look up, um, John three 16, Okay. But here's what's the result is actually from, from that confession you just made. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been clearly revealed apart from the law, though it is actually confirmed by the law and the words and the writings of the prophets. This righteousness of God comes through faith. That's what you just did because you have acknowledged him as son. And since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God and are being justified, that's what happened to you. You're being made acceptable to God and you have been granted eternal life. And this is provided through Jesus Christ, whom God displayed publicly on your behalf. Again, pause the video so you'll know exactly what has happened. And then it says, why was this done to demonstrate his righteousness? Because in his forbearance, that he is just demonstrating how much he loves you, that he, that you would be just, that he is just, and you are justified by the justifier. And you can rely and confidently know him as savior. Again, that's Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. You can look that up. So, welcome to the kingdom of God. The angels are rejoicing on your behalf. You have taken the first step back into a spiritual Eden that God has always meant for all of us. 
So again, the angels are rejoicing on your behalf. And so normally we want to lift up a praise, but today I'm asking all of us to lift up a worship. God is worthy. He truly is worthy of our worship. And that's just where you just offer your voice and say, God, I thank you. God, I love you. God, I adore you. You are more than enough, God. And I worship you. We bow before you, God. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. You are worth our worship, God. We love you and we adore you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.